You know what's smart? Signing Bryce Harper. You know what's not smart? Job sites overwhelmed with thousands of resumes. Thankfully, it's good to take a break from that sometimes and get yourself a coffee at Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. Uh, you can also try ZipRecruiter, uh, but not for free because we don't have any kind of uh, deal with them. You can use promo code BS maybe uh, to get your uh, discount on your ZipRecruiter. Um, whatever it is, ZipRecruiter does, not with, with job sites. Anyway. Let's go! Uh, it's been a while. It's the last time we uh, recorded one of these podcasts. Uh, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Dallas Keuchel, uh, Craig Kimbrell, and others were approaching uh, free agency. They were about to become free agents. Actually, not even about to become. It was during the season, but they were they were lame duck, and they were going to be. Uh, free agents. So they all uh, didn't know where they would be playing in 2019 last time we recorded this podcast. Now, obviously, a lot of time has passed, and it's almost the 2019 season. And hey, they're all still free agents. <laughs> they February. still don't know where they're going. Uh, so do you want to be called – does intern Matt uh, offensive to you? Well, I mean – it depends on how disparagingly you look at interns. Some say interns are the backbone of this society. Others Who say that interns. That? <laughs> I don't know. I like the, the, the I like, places I interned. The I like, places I interned when I was actually an intern. I like the people are saying, or, or some people say, phrase, uh, you can kind of get, get away with anything if you put that in front of it. But intern Matt's on the, uh, not the other line, I guess, through the computer. And um, when the offseason started, Bryce Harper was about even money to go to the Cubs since it's become the, the, the betting. The odds have been a, a lot worse. We don't really know where, he, where he's going to go. Pitchers and catchers report to spring training in just a couple of days now. Uh, but John Heyman saying as many as eight teams are still in on Bryce Harper – Intern Matt, what say you? Where does Bryce Harper go? Why is he still a free agent? Well, we've seen this trend like the last couple of years of just nobody, everyone's afraid of like having the albatross contract. And the, it's, it's created like this weird like dichotomy of team, like five teams are actually trying to win, 15 teams are trying to lose and spend as little money as possible. Uh, that's a whole different discussion about an impending strike that's going to happen, probably. Um, I, I, my biased, my biased uh, self thinks that he will go to the Cubs still. Why? Uh, well, because I'm a Cubs fan. Also, if that's if the a idea, what? It's a shitty reason. <laughs> well, sure, it's a shitty reason. Well, I, I mean, I think that. Uh, as far as like the the reporting of the eight teams being involved is more Scott Boris like saying that there are eight teams involved. I think it's probably closer to like four or five. Um, yeah, it could be. We could talk about who we could talk about which teams. I just think that. I mean, he's the best fit. It seems like that's actually a place he wants to play because all. All the signs have pointed to like her dog's name is Wrigley. <laughs> no, but I mean, like all signs have pointed to the fact that he, like, it doesn't matter if the Phillies will give him like a billion dollars. Like, he kind of still doesn't want to play there. Man, who would really? I, I shouldn't I mean, say that. I've never been to Philadelphia. I don't actually know if it's not a nice place. But I, I kind of think that if if he really wanted to play for the Phillies, he would have signed there already. Yeah. 
Because it's I, not like the Phillies I, have to like clear. It's not like the Phillies have to clear anything. Like their their roster construction is pretty. Besides the other signings that they made this year or the off season, I mean, it's not like their roster construction can vary wildly. So, like, and the 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 deal that they're going to give him is whatever the deal is. So, I think if he really wanted to sign with the Phillies, then he would have signed there. Mm-hmm. I agree. No, I agree. And and they so they're going to spend stupid money. But at this point, here's why I still think the Phillies are not likely, but a very strong possibility of him going to the Phillies is because if no one – he probably doesn't want to play there or, or isn't eager to play there. But if no one's going to give him the contract he's looking for, and that's the motivating factor, let's say the Phillies offered him like an eight, nine, or 10-year deal north of $300 million, and that's the only place he can get it from, then maybe he decides I might as well cash in. I, I've tried to put myself in his shoes many a times. It's very difficult. I'm way less talented. And, and handsome. Some, some are saying less handsome. Yeah, he is less handsome. You're right. <laughs> uh and you're thinking, okay, I was going into this offseason thinking that I was going to be the highest paid free agent in baseball history. And that's not becoming the case, obviously. And you could say, take your losses and say, okay, uh, that's fine. But I, I, I wanted to play on the West Coast. I'll play for the Padres or the Dodgers on a short-term deal or for slightly less annual salary than I was hoping for. Or I'll go to the Cubs on a short-term deal because I want to win. Or you could say, no, fuck that. I would like to play for the contract that I was. I thought I was going to get, and the Phillies are the closest one to that, even though I don't really want to play in the, for the Phillies. I don't really want to play in Philadelphia. I didn't think I was going to stay in the NL East and go to a different team. But they're offering me a 10-year deal and a ton of money, so I might as well just cut my losses and accept the fact that I'm going to be a Philly and maybe get an opt-out at some point but get a lot of money in the process. That's why. I would say the Phillies are still very realistic. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. I was a little tongue-in-cheek about the Cubs signing him. No, no, I know. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I, here's, here's a devil's advocate about the if he's getting 10 years and 300. Why doesn't he just re-sign with the Nationals then? Because I, I – well, first of all, I don't believe that the 10-year, 300 million, no opt-out deal that, they, that was reported like on, on the last day of the season – was real or like the first offer or I think that was the first offer. And so if, if the idea is like, I just need to make the 10 year, $300 million threshold with however many opt-outs, why wouldn't he just go back to the nationals? I, I, I agree with that also. So that's another thing. He might just go back to the nationals. That's why that way he doesn't even get criticized for anything. He can go back to the nationals on a 10 year deal, get an opt out after like three years try free agency again when he's 29 and maybe get a deal for a place he wants to play more so than he wants to play in Washington. I think that, I think actually the nationals because of that reason seem like the most likely destination, but also again, this is just all speculation. We don't know what's going through his head. We don't know what he's talking about with teams, what Scott Boris has talked about with teams. So we're just trying to get inside his head. Like I said, trying to put myself in his shoes as best that I, I can. I think the nationals and the Phillies make sense for those two reasons, but the nationals probably making more sense because he was already there, and uh, the familiarity, he likes Dave Martinez. So that makes sense. But let's just go through team by team. Not of all 30 teams, obviously. But the of Tampa the, Bay Rays. But of the, the, the five to eight that could be in, I would say after Washington and Philadelphia, I would go, I would actually go San Diego. I guess this is in no order, but San Diego, let's say San Diego. Uh, I think the draw is... It's on the West Coast. It's close to Las Vegas. And they, I, could, I could see them spending a stupid amount of money also. And then also them seeing like, oh, no one's offered them the contract they want. Maybe if we just offer 10 years or $350 million or something, maybe we can lock him up. And they, they showed willingness to spend last summer when they gave Eric Hosmer a, a buttload of money he didn't deserve. So uh, that's why that makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, I agree. And also, there was something about him wanting to be, like, the guy wherever he goes. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't, like, but if he wants to be the guy, like, sorry, Will Myers, like, it's cool that you don't wear batting gloves, but, I like, 
unless you count like Fernando Tatis Jr. coming up being the guy. Uh, well, that would also be part of the appeal is, is is having the young talent around you in San Diego. Like the White Sox pitch to free agents has yeah. been all the, all these guys are coming up, and you have to like kind of bet on bet on that and say, okay, well, hopefully all of them are good. Like John Lester bet on the Cubs in 2014-15 offseason. So that's not a realistic. It's not an unrealistic proposition that he can make that bet. So that's probably something they're pitching him on. Also, also in the West Coast are the Dodgers and the Giants. Dodgers probably aren't in because they signed um, AJ Pollock, but they could be in on a short-term deal. I mean, who wouldn't? If they could get him on a short-term deal, who wouldn't want to bring him on board? And then the Giants news just came out Wednesday that he met with the Giants, and that is, I mean, it makes sense that they need outfielders, but they're not. They're not very good. They're not a good team. Also, if I'm Bryce Harper as a he's right, he's like basically like a league average right fielder. Mm-hmm. Am I making that up? No. No, you're he's not. A, he's like a league average right fielder. There's no way in hell am I wanting to play in that coffin corner. Oh, sure. In, yeah. In, in, in TNT Park. Well, and we'll get to this later. That NL could be getting a D, the DH, which kind of throws another monkey wrench in the whole thing. But why would you? unless he really doesn't care that much about winning and, and the Giants can just offer him a massive deal, why do you want to play with the corpse of Evan Longoria and Joe Panic and the corpse of Pablo Sandoval and Brandon Belt and Brandon – like, they, they, their time has come and gone, really. And the corpse of Johnny Cueto, if he's there. Yeah, the, and the corpse of – I don't even know if Jeff Samarge is really a corpse. He's always kind of been bad. I mean, they're just kind of like – they're very middling – they have a lot of players in their early 30s, early to late 30s, really. They should, they should really go in the other direction of not spending a ton of money right now, but trying to get rid of guys like Jeff Samarja, Johnny Cueto, maybe even Madison Bumgarner, uh, Drew Pomeranz. Like there, there, there are players that they could easily just they'd be better off on loading than trying to add a marquee free agent. So I say the Giants are, are out of it. I could be proven wrong. I actually think there's a chance by the time we end this podcast that Bryce Harper signed somewhere because that just would be the thing that happens. Yes. But okay. So the Cubs, <clears throat> uh, they were the favorite during, not for any like confirmed reason during the season, just from speculation because he's friends with Chris Bryant and Instagram posts and his they, dog's name's Wrigley. His dog, his dog's name Wrigley. Um, so it made sense during the he's year. He's been to a Blackhawks game before that too. Also. So at all, the stars were all aligning. They were even money going into the offseason. The Cubs were even money to sign Bryce Harper. And then there's all this stuff about budgetary constraints because they do have the second highest payroll in baseball. Um, But there was the rumor that – I don't even know if it's a rumor. I think it's basically confirmed that that Theo Epstein met with Bryce Harper at the winter meetings, which the the thing has always – toyed with me with that is it was a three-hour meeting it's not a three-hour meeting for nothing so i met for three hours told him to circle back to the cubs once he has all his offers and i guess the cubs have kind of given you a lot of reasons to say that to say that they're not in on him by basically saying that they're not in on him uh but also the cubs are theo epstein and jed hoyer are very crafty very sneaky and they could be playing 40 chess and then this is the whole the Cub fans that still believe in this are what they're banking on is the idea that they're playing. We're all playing checkers, and they're playing some kind of stratego. Well, also, like this isn't the first time where they've said like we're not getting this guy, we're not doing this, and then opening day comes and they have the guys they said they weren't going to get. Right. So in the in the case of Dexter Fowler a couple years ago in 26 before 2016 there was it was reported that he signed with the Baltimore Orioles and he didn't and he showed up as a surprise during spring training yeah. and then the same thing with you Darvish who say what you will about his current performance on his contract but at the beginning of the winter Theo and Jed and company said that basically they weren't going to make a big free agent splash they wanted to make a improvements to the starting pitching uh to the starting uh pitching rotation and they they kind of actually i think you darvish like signed like a week a week from now last year right or was it this week the sixth 
uh, sometime right around now. I believe ten, it was February 10th. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it, it kind of creates like, I don't know if it's false hope or hope <clears throat> in the hearts of Cubs fans that like as long as he hasn't signed with a different team, as long as Bryce Harper hasn't signed with a different team, the Cubs have a chance. Well, well, it sounds silly to keep believing when the team, when Theo and, and Jed, well, not so much Jed, he's kind of left the door open, but <clears throat> Joe Madden, Chris Bryant, all these guys have, Tom Ricketts have all kind of said, no, we're not getting a big free agent, which would mean Bryce Harper, to, to then keep believing. But you just brought the Dexter Fowler example. That's one thing. And then, like, the Ben Zobra signing and the Starlin Castro trade all happened within a few hours, and, like, nobody knew that it was all coming that day in the winter meetings in late 2015. That'll happen really fast. Uh, they were they were pretty much known to be in on Jason Hayward, but not right away. Like, they were they kind of snuck in. They slithered in a little bit. So they, 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 they definitely don't leak stuff out. Another example, actually, this might be one of the best examples besides the Dexter Fowler uh, signing. When Jose Quintana was traded from the White Sox to the Cubs, there were there were no rumors about that, none whatsoever. The Cubs and the White Sox kept that very quiet, and then in, I, I believe it was right around July fourth, early July. All of a sudden, bam! There, there it is. It just the news just broke, and no one saw it coming. It made sense. People knew that the Cubs were looking for a cost-controlled pitcher, <clears throat> but there was never nothing ever coming out saying that they were close to acquiring Jose Quintana. So, basically, what I'm saying is. Bryce Harper's going to be a Cub. <laughs> well, that's like, I just don't want to get, I don't want to get hurt about it because I, last, last off season, I, you and I kind of started, well, not started. Everyone was on this hype train of the Cubs signing Shohei Otani. And I'm like, right. Joe, Joe Madden knows how to use him. He could like have him pitch three innings and then like do, and then uh, have him play left field. And then he could do all this other stuff. And then he can like play left during one like one day when he's supposed to have a throw day and then he could do all this other stuff and then he signed with the angels and then we we're like okay he's just well the otani thing was yeah i agree and that pissed but me that's off what i'm saying i don't angels. because i i had talked myself so much into like he's gonna sign there that i i can't i want to believe that he's not well i have to like convince myself that he's not going to I, I get that because the Otani thing did suck. I, I remember that day when he signed with the Angels. I was pissed, which is dumb because the Cubs were never rumored to be a front runner. We kind of talked ourselves into it. Um, but that was kind of those are different circumstances. Like he was a once in a lifetime player, and there was a lot of hype around him. And, and the idea that you could get him on a cheap deal because he came out earlier than he probably should have for financial reasons, or <clears throat> he should have stayed longer for financial reasons. Um, it was as exciting and the idea that he could play left and start and and maybe come back and close and get the win and the save and the same. I was obsessed with that idea. So yeah, we really talked ourselves into that hype last off season, but with Bryce, I just think like there, there are back channels that could be at work. I, I don't believe Chris Bryant that he never has talked to Bryce Harper about free agency before. I think that's just not like it, it, had, it had to come up at some point. Right. To pretend like you don't talk to your friends about their job is like such a ridiculous thing totally. to say you. But also, you. also you have to give credence to the idea that maybe the Cubs weren't, even if they are being secretive about it and they are in, they're probably not like super gung ho. Like they probably do have some reservations along the way. Otherwise, Bryce Harper would be signed by now because it's February. So they probably what what if I'm just speculating here. They probably had not financial constraints, but concerns. They've been burned by some free agent contracts so far. Jason Hayward, Brandon Morrow, Hugh Darvish. And there's probably concerns. Tyler both, Chatwood. Tyler Chatwood, yeah. Both from ownership and probably to a degree in the front office, but I don't think Theo probably cares that much about being burned by these big contracts and having these long-term liabilities and thinking – Okay, if you can get Jason Hayward off the books, you can get Chatwood. And I don't know why they haven't gotten Chatwood off the books. I would think a team would be okay with him being a reclamation project and getting a prospect attached to it. But getting some of these deals off the books would make it easier to swallow signing Bryce Harper to like a like a six or seven year deal. I get that there probably is some of that, but I, I think even if 
they aren't able to move money. I think that that I think that's a luxury. Like they would prefer to move money, but even if they can't move money, Bryce Harper will circle back to the Cubs and then they'll present him with a final offer of some kind. And then I, I would assume Tom Ricketts will sign off on whatever it is. Um, but the Cubs would lose leverage of all offseason. They were saying that they don't really need to what 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 them talking about their financial constraints make it makes it seem like to other teams like they they're just looking desperately to move money and then that opens up trade talks to try to move the, the money. And I think that's what they're trying to do is they would prefer to get contracts off the books before signing Bryce Harper, which is why this is all drawn out. And then once Bryce Harper has all his offers, is done negotiating with teams, they'll come back to the Cubs, and either they will have moved money and they can make him a good offer, or they won't have moved money and they'll they won't care and they'll still offer their contract, or they will care and and not match it. But right. and then, go ahead. And you also have to think that like like if the the budget constraints are like are a concern if there are budget constraints at all that you have to think about like in the next two years how much money is coming off the books in terms of like these big money contracts like you would think that ben zobrist is kind of at the end of his 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 career you have to think that john lester's at the end of his career the, the only thing that I'm thinking in terms of like a devil's advocate about like I've seen a lot of talk about like we don't want Harper because he's not even like he had a worse war than Jason Hayward this year. Um, here's, a, here's a good like conversation or like debate point, I guess, is that if you do sign Bryce Harper, regardless of your budget constraints, do you then say goodbye to any other core member of the Cubs? Because you think about all the big money contracts, but they also have a lot of players that are still in arbitration or pre-arb. And those guys are going to, in the next, by like 2020 or 2021, are going to need to get paid. I think think that's a guy goodbye. Because I should, I don't know why I said it like that. Kiss a guy goodbye. (laughs) But if you you sign, if you sign, Bryce Harper, do you then say, okay, Anthony Rizzo, like, after your contract's up, do you let him go? Or do you? I think that's a, I think that's a 2021 problem. Really, I think you, I think you have to assess these things year by year, Uh, and because it could could be a situation where all those dollars from the big star across from Wrigley and and the uh, Gallagher Way Starbucks come piling in, and you have all this money, more money than any franchise in Major League Baseball, and you can sign. Anthony Rizzo to a six-year, $200 million deal, or Chris Bryant to a 10-year, $350, $375 million deal. And you can sign Kyle Hendricks and Javier Baez and Kyle Schwarber. You can just bring everybody back because you have so much money. Like There's a situation where that could happen, or there's a situation where, I don't know, Anthony Rizzo declines. He, I mean, he's getting older, uh, breaks his wrist, God forbid, or something, or that Chris Bryant uh, keeps getting hurt. God forbid, again, let's say he starts having injury problems or that Javier Baez regresses from last year, that Kyle Schwarber never breaks out. Like those situations can happen. I think you just assess every year. That's part of the thing with these guys being young is a lot of the times they're not totally proven quantities. Like they are, they're all, Chris Bryan and Javier Baez and Anthony Rizzo are all perennial all-stars for sure. But you don't know what the next few years are going to hold. <clears throat> like we couldn't have predicted Chris Bryant would miss as many games as he did this last year. So you just got to assess it year by year and not worry about what the 2021 problem is. Honestly, if they won the World Series next year, the year after, and in 2021, going into that offseason, I wouldn't care if everybody opted out and left. Everything would be gravy at that point. I mean, I wouldn't want it to happen, but it's whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think you just have to. You have to assess year by year and, and figure it out um, each year. Cause I would rather just have Bryce Harper, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Kyle Schwarber, Ian Happ, Wilson Contreras. I'd rather have them all in the lineup next year and, and just ride with that and see what happens. Probably like 117 wins and then figure it out the year after if you need to figure it out. Yeah. Well, and Theo might just do that and then, like retire, walk off into the sunset. Yeah, then it's not his problem anymore. It's yeah. Tom Rickett's problem. Yeah. So yeah, it's TD Ameritrade's problem. 
So that the next uh, team that's definitely in would be the White Sox, and I think they're definitely more in on Machado, and Bryce Harper probably would have signed there if he had any interest. Yeah. I mean, so. it's, I, I see a lot of White Sox fans because we're both Chicago-adjacent people. We see a lot of White Sox fans that we know on the on online, so to speak, say that the White Sox are in the same position that the Cubs were in in about 2014. Um, and I don't know if that's true. I don't know if any of the guys who are as far along in terms of their their top prospects are like as you know they're not as projectable as a lot of the guys. Well, guys the, I think. Cubs. The Cubs, the Cubs and Astros rebuild, especially the the Cubs rebuild, kind of messed with the the perception of a lot of fans of different teams, and particularly so the Cubs rebuild in particular for White Sox fans set up this unreal expectation that you rebuild your team and then like in four years you win the World Series, and that's just not how it works. Like ask Pittsburgh Pirates fans that were rebuilding every year since Barry Bonds left in the early nineties and didn't make the playoffs until what, 2010, 2011. Like it takes, it's a crap shoot. And then they only made the, they only made the, yeah, I can't believe they lost the wild card game multiple times. Like it, it, it's a crap shoot. Like you don't know what kind of guys are getting back. So you have to get back as many assets as as you can. I love that the White Sox rebuilt because they needed to, because they were middling for so long, but I didn't like how they did it in large part. I'm like, they have guys that I like, like Eloy. Um, the, their first round draft pick last year, I think, is going to be pretty good. And uh, yeah, like I still Moncada. think Moncada could still be good too. So like they have pieces, but getting all these pitchers that are there's a lot of variables that go into to young pitchers. I don't really believe in pitching prospects in general because they're so unreliable. Like it's kind of scary. Like. One of them needed Tommy John surgery already. Yeah, already. Like you saw what happened with the Mets building around a young starting pitching staff, that their window is already pretty much closed. The White Sox, like, you don't know what's going to happen with a lot of these young pitchers. They could, they could, uh, some of them could fall apart. Some of them could be just average. And it's fine if some of them, if like Dylan Cease or Ronaldo Lopez or whoever turns out to be like a one and a half war pitcher, like the, third or fourth starter. That's fine. That's great. You developed a middle of the rotation guy, but you're bi- these are the, the, the big names of your rebuild. Like I just wouldn't, it, it's, it's kind of scary to, to build around that. And then I guess they're going to try to buy position players, which isn't really the way to go. Like the Cubs are the exact opposite. They developed position players, ones that they believed strongly in and, and college players too, like Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber. And then bought the pitchers that were already established. It's way safer way to go. That's how the Cubs had such a quick rebuild. It's it's really unrealistic to think that every team is going to have this like four year turnaround, especially well, when the White Sox haven't turned any corner yet. They were terrible last year. Well, and if you think about it too, the Cubs and the Astros base well, I'm an example, but they didn't really have any guys like bust. Except for, well, I guess Mark Appel's would be one of them. But like, oh, they hit. They weren't. They hit. There weren't. There weren't any. There weren't too many guys that they had drafted that that like were supposed to be a core guy that ended up not working out, which like never happens. Exactly. Like they, the Cubs hit on so many guys because they brought them up at the right times too. Like they brought them up in the middle of season is when they were ready and the White Sox haven't really been doing that. They've been holding guys back. The Cubs, I mean, the Cubs did have not guys that they thought were going to be part of their core, but they did have, I guess a couple of guys that thought were going to be part of their core. They did miss on some guys like Jorge Soler was a miss, but he turned into an all-star closer that they traded for. Uh, I don't think Mike Olt was guaranteed to be part of the core, but he was a miss. Ian Stewart was a miss. Um, but like that's a small list. Starlin Castro, they thought was going to be part of the core, but they ended up trading. But he turned in uh, to open up a space for Ben Zobers. The point is, you will miss on a couple of those guys, but acquire enough assets that in case you do miss on some of them, then it's okay because you have you just have all this depth. And I I just don't I'm not sure the White Sox are in a good position to just turn the corner all of a sudden because 
a lot of their position players right now kind of suck still. Tim Anderson, yeah. I don't think is good. They're outfield until I mean Eli is going to come up and we'll see how he does. But their their outfield last year was was trash. And I, I hope they can sign Manny Machado because that'd be cool for them. But right now, I still think they're a couple years away from being a contending team. I agree. So the White Sox route. Um, <laughs> John Heyman said eight teams. I think like we we've said so far: Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Phillies, Nationals, White Sox, Cubs. So I guess that is eight. I think. Uh, so about. So- should we go like reverse now and see uh do the same thing but with Manny Machado? I think the the leader in the clubhouse is whoever wants to give him the most money. Yeah, I mean probably. I don't know why. I think people kind of assume that with Machado is because he's kind of an ass. And it fits his description that he would just go for the most money. And maybe that's right. I don't know. But I think he really, really, really wanted to play for the Yankees, and they just don't want him for some reason, which is dumb. If a marquee free agent wants to play for your team badly, I think you just got to go for it and then make the roster work around it. Um, I think the White Sox are very live for Manny Machado, but also I think the Padres, seeing knowing what the White Sox might have offered, and the, if the Phillies strike out in Harper, then they'll definitely, I think, offer Machado like a $700 billion contract. Yeah, because they 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 put themselves out there. They're like, we're gonna spend stupid money. We have the the space to do it. We'll we'll go get somebody. Um, they kind of have to follow through with that, or, the, or their fans are gonna be pissed, and ownership's gonna be. If there's or, if, if there's one thing that Philadelphia fans are known for, it's being level headed when their exactly. teams don't perform. Right. So I think if if uh, Harper signs first and it's not with the Phillies, then the Phillies are gonna offer Manny Machado some kind of stupid deal. But if Harper doesn't sign first, I think Machado would either go – I don't know if he's enamored by the Padres, but I can see the Padres offering a huge deal. Or I think he'll just – the White Sox will seem like the logical destination because the Yankees aren't interested. He doesn't seem like to want to go to the West Coast. Uh, they have John Jay and Yonder Alonso who are his buddies. So even though that's, that's going to be a short-term thing, he can go to the White Sox, get an opt-out after a couple of years and then leave. Although that doesn't really help the White Sox if he leaves after three years because that's when they enter their competitive window. But Well, maybe that's the – you just get him in the door. Maybe that's like their strategy. And, like just get him the, in the door and he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll love the fans at Guaranteed Rate Field. And, and show him the craft cave. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Goose Island, whatever it's going to be called. And, and oh. he'll just fall in love with the grinder ball and like love hustling and having fans yell at him for not running out of fly ball and – They'll, they'll he'll, just sign. To, he'll, he'll be a White Sox for life. He'll be the next Harold Baines Hall of Famer. They'll take him to Buffalo Wings and Rings and get him a beggar's pizza, and he'll just uh, he'll he'll want to retire. He'll want his. He'll even he'll even after. take night classes at IIT. <laughs> so I think that's yeah. White Sox seem like a logical destination, but Phillies are alive. They want to spend money. Uh okay. Well, I mean, that's the biggest news. I think then after that, I don't know what will happen with Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimbrell. I've heard the Twins are very interested in Kimbrell. The uh, Phillies could be in on Keuchel. The Padres could be in on Keuchel. We'll see. I don't think anyone else really matters. Whatever. The dominoes will fall where they may. It'll all happen really fast in the next month, too. Yeah. It'll all just happen suddenly. But uh, the other I big... Was- I honestly think that the the pitchers are going to sign first. Like Keuchel and Kimbrell are going to sign first just because if pitchers and catchers are starting. And I know oh, Keuchel's right, like right. mad. He's like mad at uh, about the Harper Machado thing. There, did you read that report? Yeah. Well, also Keuchel, Keuchel's a Scott Boris client. So like, yeah. And he's like mad that all the attention is kind of on them right now and that's yeah. stopping everything. So I think he might – just do like a hasty, like, all right, whatever. Just give me something I want to play. He, I, if I were him, I'd probably be a little peeved at Boris. But I mean, yeah, it's all secondary. I think he'll probably get a short, short-term deal. But the the other big news after uh, kind of half-ass free agency rumors came out this week is these rule changes to uh, that are proposed to be in effect soon. Uh, a few of them related to pace of play. A few, a few of them for roster construction. Uh, three batter minimum for pitchers. 
which I don't like. A single trade deadline before the All-Star break, which I don't have a strong opinion on. That would be bananas. It would be like the NBA trade deadline. Yeah, I actually would probably make that the trade deadline more interesting. That's for sure. Like today. The, the idea then is that you get rid of, like, there's no waiver trade deadline, non-waiver trade deadline. It's just like one. Yeah, is that the idea? Right. Yeah. I didn't read the whole. It's just one deadline. Yeah. That would make it more like the NBA, which if you're trying to grow the game, so to speak. I would hope that teams would adjust. I, yeah, it would be more interesting of a trade deadline, but I would, I would hope teams would adjust because like now you have, with the current MLB trade deadline, you have uh, a lot of times teams that are like five games out of the wild card or something, and they'll trade for like, they'll trade like a low-level prospect for a reliever or something, and then all of a sudden in August they're eight or nine games out of the wild card. And then they put that same reliever on waivers and get rid of him because they now they're out of it. I would hope that those teams that are kind of in the middle of the wild card hunt just pick a lane, go all in, or don't do anything because they they understand that their chances are slim. Because it's 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 just kind of annoying. I mean, like right now you have that cushion. Like I'll throw a real example out: the Cubs in two thousand and five uh, traded for Matt Lawton. On July 31st, right at the trade deadline, because they needed, they said they needed a quote unquote leadoff hitter. Then the Cubs fell out of the wild card. I don't know why I use this example. It's such a weird example. Uh, the Cubs fell out of the wild card race a few weeks later and then traded Lawton to the Yankees because they didn't need him anymore and they'd rather get a prospect back. That's a nice cushion to have. I would hope that teams, if they only had one trade deadline, wouldn't, wouldn't trade for like complimentary pieces around the deadline. It's stupid because you're just trading prospects when you know your chances are slim. So, I mean, hopefully teams would adjust, but that, that is an interesting proposition. A 20-second uh, pitch clock. Again, I don't really have much of an no. uh, opinion on it. I say no. I say this. I need this, like, tattooed on my back or something. If you hate a three-hour baseball game, a two-hour, 45-minute baseball game is not going to make you love baseball. Oh, I agree, yeah. Like, if you think, if you think baseball's too slow – them pitching, like throwing a pitch faster is not going to make the, someone like the game. Because that's the whole idea, right? The idea is that speeding up the game will let will make the millennials like it or kids to like it more. Right. It's stupid. It's, it's dumb. Yeah. I, I totally agree. It's just like to make it more exciting or something. I don't know. I, I think that that's something like I can deal. I, I think the premise is dumb, but I can deal with like a 20 second pitch clock maybe. I don't know. I don't like it at all, but it's not as bad as some of these other, like the uh, a three batter minimum for pitchers. I think that one is so stupid. Yeah, I That's agree. Awful. It takes a lot of the strategery out of the game. <clears throat> right, it just it's, it puts the pitchers at a disadvantage too. Uh, the expansion of rosters to twenty six players, which I love, with a twelve pitcher maximum, which I think is silly. Good yeah, one. yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I I mean the the twenty six with I don't know why you like change both like you change the pitcher minimum and or the pitcher maximum and that I guess the I guess the idea would be if you don't need as many pitch you would have to do that in tandem with the three out rule right yeah yeah I guess because yeah. other because otherwise then if you're if you're saying you can only t- keep twelve pitchers then you can't have you can't have guys coming in and be like loogies or have like yeah that's do like it matchups would, with one batter. It would totally otherwise of, that it would get rid of the left left uh, the the loogie role, and I mean that that's bad because like you have players that have built their whole career on that, and you, and and it's an important weapon to have a left hander that can get a left hander out. Uh, but also like so the other the big one is which we didn't get to yet is the DH going to the National League. And as soon as this coming season, which I don't think will happen because it's way too soon, but it'll happen eventually. And if you have the DH in both leagues, why do you need 14 position players on your roster? I agree. Because then, well, and also, so if you say all these rules are, are enacted, so you have a DH, you can't take a pitcher out unless it's been three batters. The only reason you would take out a, a player is for matchups. Right. Right. So it's like he's bad against like a lefty. You don't need, then you don't need 
that many position players because you don't you're not going to make as many substitutions. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So I don't get that. I, I like the twenty six man, but I don't understand the twelve pitcher maximum so much. The other ones are kind of less interesting. Draft advantages for more draft advantages for winning teams and and penalties for losing teams. Um, kind of like this anti tanking, uh, anti tanking incentive, which other leagues are toying with too. I don't know. I think tanking's fine. As a Cubs fan that sat through tanking for several years, following the process is kind of fun. I understand, like for casual fans, it's not fun, but it, it makes it more. It makes it makes you part of something to watch the whole thing happen, and 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 gives you hope for the future. Uh, I think I the big the bigger problem with tanking isn't the tanking. It's not like the downslope to the upslope of being good. I think it's that there are so many like inept organizations that are just constantly on the downslope. Sure. That like I mean, the Marlins, the Marlins are just like a joke. They had like f- three or four out of the top thirty players in baseball or something, thirty-five players in baseball maybe, and they just got rid of them because they said that they're, they're tanking, but they're really just like they just want to. I, I, like I don't think that the the enemy really is tanking. It's more that they don't want teams to just like hoard all their money and not spend it. Yeah, I think it's more of a budgetary thing. I would think. I think they need to change some stuff with free agency for that to happen to give those smaller market teams the ability to retain a Christian Yelich or a Giancarlo Stanton. Kind of like the, the NBA has restricted free agency that allows teams to keep, hold on to those players a little bit longer. So yeah, that's probably something more with that. But I wonder how, like, how many. I said casual fans don't really like tanking. I knew somebody years ago who I worked with. Um, I was working briefly in in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I was working with somebody who was a Cubs fan, had Cubs season tickets, and I remember on the day the Cubs traded Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill to the A's for Addison Russell, Billy McKinney, and uh, Dan Straley. She said how hor- she came up to me at work the next day and said how horrible was that trade, and I was I was flabbergasted. I said, "What, what, what do you mean? It was, it was an incredible trade. It was a steal. Like Jeff Samarja is having the best year of his career. Jason Hamill's a free agent to be, and we turned him into one of the top ten prospects in baseball, another top one hundred prospect, and a young left-handed pitcher." And she said, "But we keep getting rid of our pitchers, and and like we like as soon as the, our pitchers do well, we get rid of them, and then like that's why we're bad." And I just like didn't I couldn't process it. Somebody else couldn't like come up with the idea of tanking. And I think there might be, I think t- people might be getting it more now after the Astros and Cubs. But there was definitely a learning curve with tanking that not everyone's on board with the whole process. It requires a great deal of patience and a great deal of trust. And I think if you don't trust your front office, then then tanking isn't fun. Like like we're both Bulls fans too. And the tanking is harder to trust because they make dumb moves. It's a dumb front office. Yeah. Well, and I also I'm I'm sympathetic to the the idea that as a fan you want your team to be as good all the time because you're you want your loyalty re- rewarded in a way that like like if I'm going to go to the games I'm going to do this I want them to put the best product on the field. Right. Like I'm sympathetic to that idea. So I, I get the people that don't compute the they're not they're not losing on purpose, but they're losing on purpose. Right, right, right. Yeah. And no, so I, it's I, like, I why would my favorite team ever lose on purpose? I'd never want them to lose. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I, I I'm sympathetic to the league trying to combat that kind of, um, and I think teams will always try to figure out a way to to develop young talent, and and losing is the best way to get there. Uh, they also want to do a study to lower the mound, whatever it is, study, what, what have you. Well, that's the thing down the road. And then uh, a rule to allow two sport amateurs to sign major league contracts. And that's the I love that. Kyler Murray thing. Yeah, totally. But then that's totally encouraged by Kyler Murray. So the DH is the big one. And I don't think it'll come in 2019, but it'll probably come in 2020 or 2021 or whenever. Um, we saw a lot of takes today about how people opposing the DH should just like look at baseball history and how there were a lot of rules that, you know, they just got rid of that the game is undeniably better for 
Um, and I'm I was reading like, about them today. They were bananas. Yeah, some were crazy. Like you could make subs during games in the 1800s, which I you could you used to be able to catch. You used to be able to catch a ball on one bounce and it'd be an out. Yeah. So like these, like obviously the examples from the 1800s are extreme, but it just shows that the game evolves over time. But beyond all the stuff we talked about just now, are there any rule changes that jump out to you that you would like to see? It can be as feasible or infeasible as possible. There are no rules here. This is not. Uh, yes. Well, I want to make one point about the DH and yeah. the reason why I'm pro DH. I was reading a stat that the last time the in 2018 pitchers on av- like the combination of every pitcher in Major League Baseball was a average of a negative 40 one weighted runs created plus, and the last time all pitchers um, all pitchers together were you not like that stat? No, sorry, <laughs> the, last, the last time. The last time all pitchers together on average were better, had a better weighted runs created plus than Chris Davis last year, who literally had like, I think he had the worst offensive season in like the live ball era, right? Yeah. Was 19, like 10. So I, I get the whole like, oh, it's cool to have the strategy and like knowing when to, pinch hit for your pitcher well, but like it's not adding anything to an offense i'm, I'm pretty and i also get the if you're if you're playing the game you should have to play both sides of the ball blah 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 i get that too but it's not adding anything to you know an offense to have a pitcher go out there and strike out to- totally and those are like old curmudgeony white guy arguments that i don't think hold any value my argument and i i'm pretty apathetic to it if they have a dh or they don't have a dh my argument has always been, yeah, you, you rattled off the pitcher's offensive stats, but also with the strategy that goes into the National League game, you have pitchers, the pitcher's spot losing pretty much half of its at-bats, the pinch hitters. And those pinch hitters are as good or something better than the DH slot in the American League. We have a lot of bums, like old guys that can't play defense anymore, DHing. And the offensive output isn't like dramatically different on the aggregate over the course of the season. It's more so an aesthetic choice. And the reason that I think they're considering bringing it to the National League is because of that aesthetic value and the idea of making the game more interesting. Because it is. It's more interesting to watch. Well, Albert Poulos is a bad example because he's trash. But Miguel Sano versus – or if Giancarlo Stanton would, or, or uh, um, you know, some of these other guys who, who – Nelson Cruz or something. Yeah, who like part-time DH and play the outfield. It's more interesting to watch that than watch Kyle Hendricks try to swing a bat. But at the same time, well, when that starting pitcher, Kyle Hendricks, will be pinch hit for in the sixth or seventh inning for Daniel Descalzo or for Albert Almora or somebody like you have at bats coming from real hitters eventually. And over the course of the season, the actual output by the leagues isn't that much different because of that. So that's my whole argument with the DH. I don't care if it comes or not, but but I I think people don't realize it's more of an aesthetic choice than it is an actual, you know, production choice. And, and to that, to your point about the, you know, whatever the reason, the other reason I like the DH is because I think that it's silly. If, if, if all things being equal in terms of like offensive output between a pinch hitter and a DH, I think it's stupid that a pitcher has to come out before he, is ready just because his spot comes up in the lineup. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm a purist in the way, like I, I'm a baseball purist just in the, the, I love it when pitchers pitch like eight, eight innings, seven, eight game. Like I love Greg Maddox is my favorite pitcher of all time because of that reason. Like he would just pitch nine innings like that. You could pencil him in like the bullpen had the, had the day off. And now, especially with the shortening games and kind of the uber specialization of a bullpen, you don't see like you hope that starters get like, now this is the exact opposite of your idea to make it. So it's every game is a bullpen game, but I, the idea of like kind of the masterful, like pitching performance by one guy has kind of gone away. And aesthetically I would like 
for that to keep going. And part of it is because you look at the matchup of like, what's the likelihood we're going to score a run with a guy on second and the pitcher spot coming up. Right. You yeah. I mean? No, I got you. Um, I think this would never happen, but my ideal scenario would be you have a DH, but as soon as your starting pitcher comes out of the game, the DH also comes out of the game because the DH is attached to that player. And therefore then, then the pitcher spot becomes in play for the rest of the game. And you're using pinch hitters late in the game. I like that scenario. It's never going to happen, but Speaking of things that are never going to happen, back to my original segue. question, which uh, yeah, that's what we call in the business a segue. Uh, what uh, rule changes, not of the ones listed, would you want to see, if anything? Okay, I have a couple. Uh, one of mine would be to allow pitchers to re-enter a game without, like, without having to make them play the field. I kind of going to say this. Just because I'm like I I like pitching so much. That's, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, it's like I like the novelty of like, oh, we want to keep. There's a lefty coming up, and then a lefty coming up, one guy after that. So like, put the put reliever left field. Like that's funny, but I just think it would be kind of cool to just be like, okay, well, Araldis Chapman is going to start start the game. He's going to sit down until the fourth, and then whenever a lot high leverage situation comes in, he can come back in and just shut down the game. I Maybe think that's kind cool. of bullshit. What? <laughs> I think that's kind of bullshit. Oh yeah. Well, it's that's like this, this is for my own personal amusement. It's not for like, this would make no sense strategically because you think like a guy, a guy is going to come in and like, you know, like sit there. He's going to throw one inning. He's going to warm up, throw one inning go back to the bullpen and maybe warm up again and then throw another, like it would just be hilarious to me to be able to like use every pitcher all the time. Okay. And it kind of, it also rewards manager stupidity of like, he took this guy out too quickly and then he realizes like the guy I brought in after that is too, is getting rocked, like bring back the other guy. But none of these are, I know you told me to be semi-serious, but no, that, no, that it's fine. You can you can be as dumb or as serious as if you'd like. Another one that's more serious. So the thing that I like about other sports is that okay, sure, in football you have a fifty-three man roster, or in hockey you have a uh, I think it's twenty-seven man roster, but you can't dress all twenty-five guys. Yeah, or twenty-six or whatever. So the idea is, like your your game roster has to be eighteen guys. For every game and well, like some the, of those what's the benefit in that i don't know it just makes it harder <laughs> so you want to make it easier that you can bring these pitchers back in the game but you want to make it harder they can only dress well that guys. that's the utility also of being able to bring pitchers back is like well some of it okay so like if you have a 20 if you have a 25 man roster pitchers that are inactive right okay so that's down to 21 so you just need to like sit like not dress three guys. And so that's up to, that's up to the manager to say like, I'd rather keep an extra pitcher. I'd also get rid of the, the minimum and maximum number of pitchers and position players. Like if you only, if you only want to keep nine position players, but you want 16 pitchers, fine, do it. That's another rule change I would have. All right. I think the, I think, I think those two kind of, uh, clash with one another but i'm i'm I'm, i do you have more because i'm kind of interested in your league that you're developing uh oh to solve the the solve uh joe tory's problem with shifts you have a pitch count number it's like defensive three second violation you have a pitch count number for for shifts so it's like if you 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 set up the normal infield and outfield and okay. so if you want to have an extra guy on the right side of the infield, you can do it for three pitches. Now you can decide if you think that the guy's going to take a pitch not to do it for one pitch and then do it. But after three pitches, you have to go back to the normal. And that's per batter. Oh, that's interesting. Because I think banning shifts is stupid. I agree. But it's like you have to get your guy on the pitch you want him to strike out at or otherwise, like, too bad. Yeah. 
here's a here's a rule change that that no one cared about after it happened was the intentional walk no longer having to throw the four pitches. Yeah. No one complains about the, that rule change now. Sorry, that was just the that was just the uh, I, I digress there, but that that your rule change there made me think of it. Because like no one no one cares anymore. Um, I mean, those are the other ones. I, I wanted to talk about the universal DH and the dual sport athletes being able to sign major league uh, contracts, but we already talked about those. Well, okay, so the the ones that I came up with, I, I think baseball is perfect, so I have very few. Um, <clears throat> well, the, I, I like baseball too. I want to say that I, I like baseball, <laughs> but I, those were just like those. All those rules would be like if I was dictator of the world, and like these would be for my own personal amusement. I would. I don't think that would act, like any of those rules would necessarily make the game any better. But I just yeah. think it would like it would just make it more fun. Well, if I was dictator for a day, I would make it so everything is reviewable by instant replay. And I get they don't want everything <clears throat> they don't want everything to be reviewable, but because it takes too much time. But I think everything should be reviewable because instant replay has shown how much shit that umpires get wrong, and I think that definitely should should change. Um, so that's the that's the big one, and then computers calling balls and strikes to go along with that. Uh, this next one has no value to it. It uh, it like it it doesn't. The way it is now doesn't hurt the game, and the way I'm changing it wouldn't benefit the game anyway. But I think if if you're if you're a first baseman moving over to second base, like we've seen Anthony Rizzo do a lot, or if you're moving a shortstop over to first base, it doesn't matter what mitt you wear. Everyone can go out wearing a catcher's mitt for all I care. It's fine. Just is that a rule? Go. It's a rule. Yeah, you have to wear a first baseman mitt or a catcher's mitt. If you can't wear a first baseman's mitt if you're playing like shortstop or something. Hmm. I thought that was more just like it's easier. No, it's definitely it's definitely. Uh, I'm almost positive it's a rule. Well, just because it's harder to feel the ground ball, like well, I, exchange I, it quickly I, if you have a regular if you have a first I, baseman. I know why. Yeah, Major League Baseball Rule three point oh five covers the first baseman's glove when prompted by the opposing team or by its own violation. The umpire should direct the first baseman to remove the first baseman's mitt. If another fielder is stationed closer to first base than the first baseman, yeah, that's stupid. Get rid of that one. So the on bunt coverage for the Cubs, they often have <clears throat> Anthony Rizzo come in super close to the batter, and Javier Baez or whoever's playing second base will cover first base, and Anthony Rizzo has to get rid of his glove and put on an infielder's glove. That's super dumb, and, and it, it's fine, it's whatever. But like you're talking about pace of play, that adds a couple minutes right there of, of him having to trot the dugout and get a glove. Fucking stupid. Also, if I were a dictator for a day, I would get rid of all interleague play. Um, I would realign the division. I, this is not even rules. You just said dictator for a day, so now I'm thinking about this. <laughs> I would realign all the Wait, divisions. So no, by no interleague play, you mean like AL teams won't play NL teams until the World Series? Or do you Correct. mean like – Correct. Correct, yes. Okay. Or one series a year to make it novelty. I would expand to 32 and then do four divisions in each league. Um, Where would you put the two teams? Uh, that's in God's plan. I don't know. Charlotte and Montreal. Rico, Montreal. Montreal, yeah, Montreal. So it involves some realignment. This is all dictatory stuff. Then another big thing I would do is I would change the playoff format. I would make cut the season down to 152, then make the wild card game a best of three, and make the NLDS. In ALDS, a best of seven. So the playoffs are like super long, like the the uh, NBA playoffs. Yeah, I like that. Those are my changes. I like that because it, it seems cruel and very anti-baseball-y. Because like the whole like every every like cliche around baseball is like it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like the best teams uh, like show themselves over 162 games. Blink blah blah blah, and then like. You make it to the wild card game, and it's like it, it's just like a you know, it's yeah, a, <laughs> it's a pitching contest, right? Yeah, yeah, and it could, you, the whole thing could be over in a day. And I think 
people are bored with baseball because it's 162 games and then they, they lose interest and like yeah it was cool at the end of last year you had two tiebreakers and then two uh two like exciting wild card games that's not going to happen every year and i i like you should have building the playoffs out longer builds more excitement and builds more interest and i think they should do it that way anyway that's uh that's everything i got those are all the rules that's well, it. and and robot umpires. That's not that's a dictator thing, not a rule thing. Yes, it is. Robot umpires is a big one. All right. Well, do you have any uh, last words for this uh, today's episode? It needs to be baseball season. We just went through the we just went through the polar vortex last week. Yeah. And I'm like I'm I'm getting really bad cabin fever. Like planning to play golf and and watch baseball. And so I just need, I need something. I need someone to sign. I need someone to throw a, a baseball through, a baseball bat through my window at my apartment. I need something to happen. I agree. I'm going to be in Arizona in three weeks to watch the Cubs. And I'm getting really, really squirrely about that. But it's just weird that no, the marquee free agents aren't on teams yet. So I think things will start heating up really quickly. And then uh, we'll have games here momentarily. 